You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Thursday show for you. We're going to get you ready for the weekend in college football and in pro football. I've got some stats for you regarding this Dolphins-Bills game, which is rather interesting because it contradicts what I said earlier this week. Also going to talk about the putrid Broncos, the awful Broncos-Bears game this weekend. We have a three-team blockbuster trade in the NBA that happened yesterday. Didn't see that one coming. And Ronald Acuna pretty much solidified his MVP for the National League status with his accomplishment yesterday. We'll talk all about that and more momentarily. Let's start in the NFL. Probably the best game of the weekend in the NFL is the Miami Dolphins traveling to the Buffalo Bills. And Miami Dolphins off of a 70-20 victory over the Denver Broncos. They are only one of three 3-0 teams in the NFL, Philly and San Francisco 49ers being the other two. Pretty amazing to think that only, only three undefeated teams three weeks into the season. Miami, Philly, San Francisco. Philly and San Francisco, not really a surprise. I think a lot of people thought Miami was going to be a team that, as long as Tua stayed healthy, was going to be good again this year, and they most certainly are. But what's interesting is after that 70-point performance last week at home against the Denver Broncos, they're now on the road against the Buffalo Bills as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. You might say, how? (laughs) But there is a stat that has come out. Small sample size, but it covers 53 years of football. Teams that have scored 60-plus points in the NFL are 1-6 straight up, 0-7 against the spread in their next game since 1970. Look, it doesn't happen often where you score 60 points in the NFL. But what it shows is you don't really do well the next game. The other team is prepared. No one's putting up back-to-back 70-point games. But I think this one could be a little bit different because, remember, Miami made the playoffs last year, and they lost in the first round to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. But they only lost by seven, and that was with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback. And we remember how bad he looked in that game. So... The Bills have their work cut out for them. I told you on Monday, because the Denver Broncos were my best bet in the NFL last week. I told you on Monday, I am not getting in front of this Miami Dolphins team the rest of the year because their offense is so good. Tua is the MVP through three games. Not that that means anything, but he is putting up the best statistics on the the 3-0 team. But I told you, I'm not going to get in front of them. I'm either going to bet on them or I'm just not going to stay away from any game that they're in because they have the ability to score a shit ton of points on anybody. And they might be the new version of what we've seen for the Chiefs the last two years or that one Denver Broncos team that led the uh, that set the record for the most points in a given season, scored over 600 points. Peyton's second year with the Broncos when he threw 55 touchdown passes. And this isn't hyperbole. If you've watched Miami play and you listen to analysts talk about it, they present such a problem because they got such a good running game with now the two-headed monster 
of Raheem Mostert and Devin Achan. He doesn't want to be called Achan, Achan. And then you've got all these speedsters on the outside. Jalen Waddle didn't even play last week. And the Miami Dolphins put up 70. And I said, look, I'm not getting in front of this team. No way. I'd just be stupid because if they do win and cover a game, I'll be like, what am I doing? I lied. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, one of my plays this weekend is the Bills minus the two and a half. I think because everybody saw a team put up 70 points last week and now they're getting points. I think this is just going to be a fade the public game because the public is going to be all over the Dolphins. I'm going to take the other side. I'm going to take the good team at home by less than a field goal. And I'd put it in now before it gets to three. It might have gone to three. When I'm recording this, it's two and a half, but it might have gone to three. I'm just, and then you see this statistic. This clearly shows, like, I know it's only happened seven times in 50 years, but no team that scored over 60 covered their next game in seven times that it's happened since 1970. I think that says something. So the Bills, obviously, 2-1, and one, good team, probably going to be a playoff team this year. And Miami is just, look, when Miami started out this, remember, they started out the season with two road games. Close game against the Chargers, close game against the New England Patriots. Remember, it was a seven-point game, and New England was driving, and they fell two inches short of getting a first down in the red zone where they could have scored a touchdown and they would have tied it or gone to overtime. So it's not like Miami has scored that many points on the road. They beat the New England Patriots in New England 24-17. First game of the year, I believe they put up, what they what was it, 27-24 in, in L.A.? So they haven't reached 30 points, but I could double-check that. You want me to? I'd like to be right. So let me actually correct myself here. I don't remember what the score of that, uh, that Charger game was with Miami in the first game. I want to say it was like 28-25 or 28-26, something like that. What was it? Um, as I pull up my phone here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was 36-34. Okay, see, good thing I corrected myself. But, you know, they went into New England, who has a good defense, and New England held them to 24 points. Buffalo's got a good defense. So Buffalo, you know, held Washington to three points last week. Look, could Miami go in there and win the game? Absolutely. It's a division game, you know. Division dogs usually do well. But I think because of the margin of, vic margin of victory last week and because of the public perception now of Miami, I think it's very easy for them to get caught up in reading their press clippings and, oh, my gosh, greatest offense we've seen since the greatest show on turf with the Rams, all that stuff that they've been hearing all week that they could go into Buffalo and not say get killed, but almost have a comeback to reality game. And that's what I'm going to be banking on. So I'm telling you, Buffalo right now is one of my plays. I just don't know where it's going to be, if it's going to be a best bet, if I'm going to put it in a teaser. So you're getting Buffalo plus seven and a half at home. Not sure yet, but it's going to be one of my plays. Even though I told you at the beginning of the week, I'm not getting in front of Miami the rest of the season. Speaking of the Broncos, which I briefly brought up, we all know how bad they've been so far. And what's amazing is how bad they are defensively. They didn't lose a lot of guys off their defense. 
And if you remember last year, you go back to last year with the Denver Broncos and their defense, the first 11 games of last year, the Denver Broncos never gave up more than 20 points in a game. This year, they look like absolute dog shit. 70 points to Miami. I mean, are you serious? Yeah, first game of the year, they lost 16-15 to the Raiders. Or was it 17-6? I didn't 17-6. It was a one-point game, both under 20. But the Redskins game, I keep saying Redskins, sorry, commander game at home that they lost. They gave up in the 30s. So something's wrong and broken in Denver. And as I said, this is one of the worst games ever. How bad do you have to be? to be a three-point underdog at home to a team that just gave up 70 points. That is what the Chicago Bears are looking at as the Broncos are three-point favorites in Chicago. I'll tell you right now, yeah, I might be on Buffalo, and Buffalo is going to be one of my plays this week. I am not getting anywhere near that disgusting game at Soldier Field between the Broncos and the Bears. You couldn't pay me to bet on that game. Well, you could pay me to it, and then I'll just use that money to bet on it. But you know what I'm saying. Like, I want no part of that. I mean, you could tell me anything. Whatever you tell me could happen in that game. I'll be like, yeah, I could believe that. You know, it's just two teams that are awful. And a team that just gave up 70 points and lost by 50 is now a favorite on the road. I mean, if we're betting system plays here and we're betting just situational plays here, That is an automatic bet on the Chicago Bears. I just don't have it in me to bet the Chicago Bears. I can't put money on that team. I'm sorry. They are so bad, and I think they're tanking. They don't want to win. So just stay away from that game. You really have a gambling problem if you bet the Broncos-Bears game this weekend. Trust me. Just stay away from it. You don't want any part of it. College football. Last week we had seven top 25 matchups. This week we only have three. So we get back down to reality a little bit in terms of great matchups. Kansas is playing Texas. I'm guessing a lot of you didn't even know Kansas was ranked. They are. They're 16.5-point dogs against Texas, but they are 4-0, and they have played Texas well in the past. LSU is a 2.5-point favorite at Ole Miss, and Notre Dame is now, I think it's down to 5 or 5.5-point favorite at Duke. Game day is going to be at Duke. First time in the history of Duke football game day has been there, which is pretty cool. I think they're only down to like five schools now that they've never been to for game day for FBS. They've been to every school in FBS except for like five now, and I can't remember who they are. I think Oregon State is one of them. (laughs) And the way Oregon State looks this year, there's a very good chance they could be at one of their games. But Duke was one of the remaining five or six, and now they're going to be, after Saturday, checked off that list. And, hey, Notre Dame, yes, they're coming off a loss, but Duke is good. Riley Leonard is going to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL. We saw how Duke looked against Clemson in the first game of the season. I mean, if they can beat Clemson at home, why can't they beat Notre Dame at home? Going to be a good game, really good game. I don't I'm telling you right now, those three matchups right there that I just gave you, Kansas and at Texas, or Kansas and Texas, I don't even know who's home. I think Texas is home. LSU Ole Miss, I know that one is in uh, is in Oxford. And Notre Dame at Duke, uh, they're not going to be part of my plays tomorrow. I'm staying away from those three. 
None of those interest me, but I do have quite a few games that piqued my interest when I was going over it last night. Really like some underdogs to win outright. But if not, obviously we're taking the points. But I think after an 0-3 money line plays on my underdogs last week, none of them won outright. I I I really like some of these. I, I think at least one of them is going to win. I think a couple could, if not all three. I, I'm really, really confident in um, a couple. But I, I really like them plus the points. But I do think upsets uh, can be pulled in these games. So... We actually had a three-team blockbuster trade in the NBA last night, yesterday, which is kind of rare. We just don't get, we just don't get three-team trades, and it's interesting because I listen to enough podcasts involving sports, and I read enough things in regards to the NBA that I'm telling you, ever since Dame Lillard said I want to be traded to the Miami Heat and made it known he wanted to be traded to the Miami Heat. I've heard all sorts of rumors about where he could go if he doesn't go to the Heat. The Heat don't have a good enough package to give to Portland. Portland will never say yes to this package of Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry and a bunch of picks. Okay, fine. So then they were throwing out other scenarios. Where could he go? Toronto, possibility. Could they give up Siakam? Could they give up uh, Scotty Barnes and picks for him? Uh, it's a possibility. All this stuff, uh, you know, possibly Orlando. They've got a lot of good young players on that team. Whatever the case may be, at no point in three months did I ever, ever hear the Milwaukee Bucks thrown out there as a possibility as a landing spot for Dame Lillard. And then what do you know? There he is. So really, everybody's been wrong or just were thrown off the scent that he was going here. And maybe this was a last-second thing. Maybe Milwaukee wasn't part of it. But if you've heard the rumblings at at a Giannis's camp, I wouldn't even say his camp out of him. He's done interviews in this offseason where he's like, look, I've wanted to stay in Milwaukee my whole career, but this is a business and I'll make that decision when we come to it, when it's necessary. I'll always evaluate where I want to be because I want to win another title. So and he said that on a podcast, I want to say like a month ago. I tell you what, that put the Milwaukee Bucks on notice. They heard that loud and clear because. I don't think if he says that or even hints at possibly leaving Milwaukee that they even jump in the Dame Lillard sweepstakes. But they get Phoenix involved, and DeAndre Ayton goes from Phoenix to Portland. Portland sends Dame to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks send out Drew Holiday and uh, Grayson Allen. And then Drew Holiday is not going to stay with the Portland Trailblazers because they've got Scoot Henderson as their point guard. They don't need Drew Holiday. So Drew Holiday is going to be packaged in a deal somewhere else, possibly the Boston Celtics, which would really make them a formidable team in the East with Drew Holiday at the point. You got wings of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum with Kristaps Porzingis kind of roaming around the three-point line in his seven-foot-three frame. They're going to be very tough. But Milwaukee, I mean, you got to say, they really improved themselves, uh, offensively at least, with – You've got Giannis, you've got, you got Brooke Lopez, you've got Chris Middleton, and now you've got Dame running the point. They are going to be dangerous. It's why their odds dropped. I believe they now are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title this year. Good team they put together. I Just surprising. I mean, I just – I had heard rumblings that expect a Dame trade to happen before uh, the first week of training camp is over. 
but I didn't think, or, you know, before training camp starts or whatever, I had never heard Milwaukee's name in three months. Like, no one even said, like, well, what if the Bucks were interested? What could they give up? Like, not even throwing out possible scenarios where the Bucks would get involved in this trade. And here he is. Now he's a Milwaukee Buck. Don't know if he's – I'm sure he's going to report, but kind of weird when the guy literally said, I want to go to the Miami Heat. That's where you're trading me. And for the first time in a while – Player empowerment in the NBA, you know, all these guys saying, I'm not playing for you. I'm going here. I want to be traded. And the first time a player gets traded to a destination that he never said he wanted to go to. I'm assuming Dame will still go there because he's going to play with arguably one of the top three players in the league in Giannis. But first time in a while we had a player demand out of a city and get sent somewhere that he never listed. So... I want to see how it plays out, but they're definitely going to be a formidable opponent in the East. My gosh, the East is going to be stacked again this year. I mean, the Sixers are going to be good. I think, obviously, this Boston Celtics are going to be good. you got Milwaukee. Man, the Heat are always good, no matter who's on their team. So that'll be interesting to watch that all play out. And finally, in baseball last night, it was a debate for the last you know, month or so, who's going to win the NL MVP between Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna. Mookie Betts had an unbelievable August, one of the best months in the history of baseball that any offensive player has ever had. He has been very average in – he's been below average, actually, in September. Mookie Betts has one home run in the month of September. Ronald Acuna now has 42 home runs, and he stole his 70th base of the season last night. First player ever at 40-70 in a season. He was also the first player ever to do 40-60 in a season. He was also the first player ever to do 40 home runs and 50 stolen bases in a season. There were five guys that did have done a 40-40 season, but nobody ever did 40-50. Clearly nobody ever did 40-60. But here's Ronald Acuna just setting the bar stupidly high at 40-70. He is now going to be... I don't want to say the runaway. There will still be people that vote for Mookie Betts, but Ronald Acuna just solidified the NL MVP with the month of September that he's had, and Mookie Betts essentially, um, I don't want to say fell off the map, but he's, I only know he has one home run in the month because he's on my fantasy team, and he hasn't hit any other than one, (laughs) so not too thrilled with that, but Ronald Acuna, your NL MVP, he pretty much locked it up last night, no doubt about that. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Pass it along to friends. Tomorrow, big day. All your plays coming in college football and pro football. 22-12-2 in college football. 12-8 and in the NFL. You know, I don't, have a, I don't have a losing record in any of the plays that I give out except for my best bets in the NFL. My best bets in college are 4-0. My other picks in college are 8-5 and 2. My underdogs are 6 and 5 and my three team 10 point teasers are 4 and 2. NFL best bet is 1 and 2 on the season. My other picks in the NFL are 7 and 3 on the season. My underdog play in the NFL is 2 and 1 on the season and my three team 10 point teaser is 2 and 2 so far 